Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen. If you would like to support God TV Radio, you can support us by buying our music, our art, our T-shirts, as well as our books. You can also support us with a one-time donation through PayPal. All links are in the description. If you have access to Spotify, you can listen to my radio station in your car, on your stereo, on your computer, anything that has internet access. God bless. Yeah, yeah. I'm spitting a flow, watch how much I grow Motherfucking people you don't even know My heart's beating out of my chest Had to carry my mom when we laid her to rest Life goes on, either weak or strong Justice, education system, government, wrong Yeah, yeah I've lived my greatest fear when I lost my mom it's hard to believe, no hiding, nowhere to run, just wearing your heart on your sleeve. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, can you hear the time? Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, life goes away, living on the street like a stray. Oh yeah. Can you feel it, baby? It's all around you. Let me break it down to you like this. I'm hoping and wishing someone is throwing me a bone. Just give me a drink and leave me alone. Walking in the dark as I say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall fear no evil. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, demons swooping around my head. I stand in the dark, but I'm not dead. Oh no. There ain't nothing you can do to me. I'll take everything this world's got, and I'll just keep on standing. You can't knock me down. Let me put it to you like this. I fear no man except God. I fear nothing. In fact, let me give it to you a little bit like this. 2022 is my year. It's my time to shine. Not the verses like I'm out on a curse I'm breaking the cycle No more demons and witches fucking with me What goes around comes around Back at you sevenfold You thought I was done That my soul was sold Nah, I'm strong as a lion I'm bold I'm not dying until my story's told Five card draw is Everything you got Are you going to fold? I'm all in I'm going to win The deuces are wild I place my bet Everything is set A cloud roared at me today While I was standing under It was the Lord telling me to be bold That my life wasn't sold Pick up your cross And follow me into eternity And follow me into eternity
Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day. When you get an opportunity, make sure you check out my video I created just a little earlier called Maltheism. Is God good, evil, and is he capable of love and hate? Good video. Very challenging for my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Can't wait to see some of the responses, and I see some responses already being uh, made live, so that's pretty cool. Well, I was watching uh, Kent Hovind debate um, Atheist Jr., and Atheist Jr. did something that I've noticed a lot of atheists tend to do. There, there's a pattern. And what it tells me is that there's a lot of atheists out there that don't have any comprehension or understanding of evolution. Um, they'll say things like, well, we didn't come from this, or we didn't come from that, or we're not related to all this, or they'll use the word common ancestor, not knowing what common ancestor even means. They don't understand that ancestor, the word in itself, means relationship with our, basically our great-great-grandfathers and grandmothers and all this, a genetic offshoot of ourselves. Now, most Christians out there, we don't have a problem, just as Kent Hovind has pointed out a hundred thousand times, we don't have a problem with little variances and changes. Um, within humans or animals. What we have a problem with is whenever a, an atheist or um, a scientist out there, because there is a difference between some internet YouTuber who didn't make it through high school as opposed to a scientist with actual credentials and education behind their title. We have a problem with people claiming that we come from worms and shrews and um, our existence coming out of granite rocks, as has been pointed out, ladies and gentlemen. Um, having variants of humans, not a problem. Having variants of a dog, uh, it being big, small, or tiny, or whatever the case, or more powerful than some of the other dogs that it has relationships with, not an issue. It's whenever you start saying that a a dog, if it has four billion years, it could turn into an elephant or uh, some strange stegosaurus-looking monster or that humans uh, come from slugs. These are the issues that there is. And to state that that's not what evolution is claiming is either intellectual dishonesty or the atheist Mr. Kent Hovind or myself or many others have talked to are stupid in every kind of way. Even if you never read a science book and you just typed in evolution in Google, you can clearly see that it's giving you a graph here, an image of what we originally supposedly came from and the different forms and transitions that we allegedly came from through these cartoons and illustrations to this. You can clearly see that. Now, for some reason, uh, there are a few atheists that understand that, but what they don't seem to comprehend is that it doesn't stop at the little monkey on the end there, way at the bottom, the little tiniest one. 
they go so far as to saying that little monkey came from a shrew, an ancient rodent, and all the way down to something that looks like a gerbil hamster, all the way down to all kinds of things like amphibians, reptiles, and lived in the water, and goes all the way back to a self-replicating cell. There's so many atheists that don't seem to realize that, and they act like they're shocked whenever someone brings up the fact that they come from rocks, if you were to go along with the claims of science. That's what they would have to believe. What else do they think they came from? Do they think they just, they originated in the water with no other components or material? Do they believe that lightning hit the water? Mr. Jones, 1974, thinks that. Of course, he doesn't have any observable evidence to prove that. There's a lot of different theories on how some jello sitting around on a rock, sitting in some water, somehow lightning hit it, and it came to life like Frankenstein, but there's absolutely no evidence this ever happened. Just the fact that evolution claims it requires millions of years for any gradual changes to take place, right there throws observation right out the window. And there's no way to be able to trace any of this. There's no way to be able to get DNA off of something that's millions of years old. We have a limitation on how we're able to gather DNA and how old it can be. The Earth has been through so many cataclysms and destruction, and our environment has been so engrossed in flames and destruction that there's no way to be able to just simply pick up a broken piece of bone and then try creating an entire model around it and then state this is what the thing looked like, this is what it was. Rarely do we find any burial sites or death sites where creatures are found where we get the whole skeletal re remnants of it or remains. Usually they find a piece and then the scientists theorize or they put it through some kind of computer generation in order to try to get an idea or they have some artist do a rendition or illustration like what we see here. There's no physical evidence. When Kentoven says things like, um, we don't even know if that thing that we found that is dead ever had children, he's right. He's right. But there is no way to be able to um, know. Absolutely not. I think that there's some kind of thing in forensics, though, that um, we discovered in the last 20 years where if we find the human remains of a, like a female or something like that, we can tell if her hips and her lower bones actually have uh, scratches or indentions in them or they're spread out. If you are lucky enough to find the remnants of a woman under this condition or not have her pieces all over the earth, uh, you'd be able to tell that there may have been uh, some kind of a baby that came to the birth canal and all that. And that's just recently in forensics. But we can't do that with bones and crap that are from millions of years ago because we rarely ever find the entirety of a skeletal structure of animals or, you know, um, early humans. It is what it is. The best that we've ever gotten 
towards ancient people is usually mummies. Uh, whenever back in the day, whenever they used to wrap them up and try to conceal them so that much air wouldn't get to them and erosion and deterioration. One of the other issues that I've noticed from atheists too, this is one of the stupidest ass arguments I've ever heard from them. They compare us to parasites and bacteria and viruses. They believe that viruses are evolving. They believe because a virus has a variant, then this must uh, prove without a doubt for them that this is a, a sign or observation of evolution. It is not. <clears throat> when they say variant of a disease or a virus, <clears throat> they're talking about that the same virus has gotten more powerful or stronger or it has the ability to access our immune system or our body in other ways or is strong enough to be able to um, adapt to our system. <clears throat> now, what do a viruses actually do? They don't gather information, they don't add to themselves and then become smarter or more intelligent. A virus never becomes something other than that of a virus, just like bacteria. A virus simply becomes a variant. The most simplest way to be able to explain this would be talking about a computer and how a virus, whenever it gets into your computer, it doesn't get in there to um, accumulate more information for itself. Now, there are things like malware and there's um, these things that people can put in uh, computers where they program it to seek out information or use phishing techniques. Not phishing like in phishing in the water. P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G, I believe is what it's called. You have to click on a link or you have to click on something, some kind of corrupt link that someone has put out there. And then it takes control of your computer. And if it's got command codes to it, it's going to try to find whatever information that, that the person is trying to look for in your system. And it works in the background where you can't even see it. They have made it to where the file doesn't register on your windows, people can't see it, and then boom, you're screwed on that. A virus inside of a computer acts just like the way a virus does in the human body. Its main setup is it wants to feed off the cells. And while it's doing that, it ends up killing our red blood cells, white blood cells, and it affects our immune system. This is the reason why AIDS is such a terrible thing. It wipes out a part of our function and our variables to where we can't protect ourselves against sicknesses that are coming in. That's what a virus usually does. There's also flesh-eating viruses out there where it uh, eats the matter and the organic material off of a human body or an animal. It feeds, but it doesn't evolve. It doesn't turn into something else. There's never going to be a day where a dog takes a shit and then the virus suddenly comes alive in the turd and starts walking around and growing limbs and a conscious sentient brain or any of this. Its main function is to cause corruption. Its main function is to attach itself to a host. Just like a virus digitally attaches itself to your computer and starts removing um, important mainframe system components 
and then rendering the computer unable to operate properly. You will discover that it will shut your computer down. It can cause your own computer to replicate pages and browser input, making it spam your computer with your own software as well as whatever you got on your system until your computer can't handle it anymore and it strains and breaks. That's exactly the way viruses organically and biologically work when introduced to the system. The only difference, whenever they say that a virus uh, gets another strand or a variant, they're basically telling you that it's the same virus, but it's more powerful, or it has found other inputs in order to access your body, or it's able to corrupt more of your body than the original one. So if you've got A, B, and C, it just means that these the same virus affects you in three different ways as well as the way a virus can attach itself to your computer usually a good hacker or a programmer will create something and then he will end up creating a variant of it kind of like a back door to where if this doesn't work then it's going to go in this way it doesn't mean that it becomes something new it's not something um, completely different or changed into a totally different virus, it simply means that it has more function to attaching itself and causing the deepest amount of impact that it can and danger on whatever system it is. So when we hear atheists say that viruses and diseases and all this kind of crap evolves, they're obviously not educated enough to understand what exactly it's talking about. And when they say, oh, we're not actually related to these creatures and all that, this tells me that not only did they not make it through school, but they're incapable of visually, um, as well as auditory, be able to watch a National Geographic or a science channel for five minutes to see that is exactly what science is claiming. And don't even get me started on some of the stupid arguments they make about the universe and about the Big Bang and how all things came into existence. Atheists are really, really terrible at this. They keep on losing argument after argument, and they never try to research or retrain themselves or find a better way to be able to handle the discussion. It's like they're stuck on one track. And that's the reason why guys like Kent Oven and many others are able to pound them into the dirt easily and uh, make a help basically assist them in humiliating themselves because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They believe in their mind that they're super smart, but they're not. I watch these debates and these shows and I'm thinking, wow, these people. Where do they come up with this crap? They're no more intelligent than Mickey Mouse. What What am I looking at? Uh, well, that's my thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't mind me asking, what is your favorite debate of all time that you've ever seen Ken Tobin do? And it can be whenever he was younger or whenever he was overstanding for Truth Channel or my own 
what is some of your favorite evolution debates? And while you're at it, tell me what are some of the stupidest things that you've ever heard in your life when listening to some of these non-believers try to make an argument for evolution over that of God. God bless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. This video we're going to do together is very controversial. I'm going to bring up a topic that a lot of Christians do not like to talk about, they do not like to discuss, and they also definitely do not want to believe this about God. Usually people um, want to convince themselves that there's an all-loving, all-powerful, omniscient, omnipresent deity that exists in the universe some believe it's outside of time, space, and matter that cares about us, that is concerned about our well-being. They do not believe that it has the ability within its nature to do wrong or evil or harm to humanity in any kind of way. Now, if you wouldn't mind, in order to go along with me on this, Grab whatever dictionary that you have off the shelf or pick out your favorite dictionary online and look up the word evil. And also grab your Bible because we're going to go through some different things and we're going to talk about why it is that I believe that God has a dual nature where he's capable and has the capacity of love and doing good, but he's also has the um, capacity to do wickedness and evil and horrible things uh, worse than any nightmare that you could possibly come up with. For some of you out there who've been watching my channel for a while, you know that I one of my theological positions, and I have many, is maltheism, which means God or gods that are evil. I do believe in Jesus Christ. I do believe in the Bible. I also believe that a lot of what we read in the Bible is directly from God, inspired by God, and also men who are trying to share their experiences on their interaction or engagement or what they think they learned from God throughout history, throughout the last thousands and thousands of years. Let's go into what evil is. Evil is when you hurt people whenever you cause suffering and pain, when you cause unnecessary destruction. We're going to start with Genesis, ladies and gentlemen, and we can see right off the bat that the attributes of what I'm talking about are there. Being that Christians claim that God knows everything, it means that before he even created man, before he even put a tree in the garden, he already knew that he was going to send himself to earth to save us from evil and sin that came into the world via himself. The Bible tells us that he is the one that put the temptation in the garden for us. He is the one that put this thing that he claims he did not want us to do to disobey him on. He did this. He also knew whenever he was creating evil incarnate, the devil, he already knew what the devil's thoughts were, what the devil was going to do, because according to the Bible, God not only knows us on a physical level, but he knows the way we think, he knows what we're going to do, he knows our future, he knows our beginning and end. So right off the bat, before he even creates us, 
He's already got it set up. It's as if the Bible was already written before we actually experienced it. He already knew that he was going to drown men, women, and children. He already knew that there would be over a hundred times throughout the Old Testament where he would command other men to go in and slay men, women, and children. He already knew that he was going to command men to take babies and break their bodies on rocks. He knew all this. He also knew that slavery was going to be pushed. He also knew that men were going to do terrible things to each other. He knew before mankind even existed that there would be millions of children that would be aborted. He already knew that millions of children would be abused, raped. He knew that there would be, he could already hear the cries of children before they even existed them crying out to God, save me, save me, as they were being raped, as they were being abused by either their parents or a total stranger. So, knowing this, he goes ahead and does it anyway. He goes ahead and does it whenever he knows that he's going to repeatedly commit genocide on his own creation. He knows, before we even exist, that some of us are going to be blind deaf, crippled, disabled, and that our lives would be really miserable. He knew that millions of people would die every couple of years from starvation and famine and everything to it. And while he's doing all those destructive things to us, he's telling us that we are to blame, that we are evil and that we're worthy of death. That we deserve to be punished. We deserve to be tortured. We deserve to be killed and thrown into the very um, concept of hell. Now, I'm an annihilationist, so I believe that the soul is destroyed. And there's over hundreds of verses in the Bible that speak of eternal destruction and the complete wipeout of your soul. They even call it the second death. Some Christians hold on to Dante's Inferno. They hold on to a church belief that was pushed later into the biblical account that Jesus somehow loves us, but he's going to make us suffer for all eternity. It's not enough to make us suffer here on earth. Now we have to be tortured and tormented forever and ever and ever. Somehow as a spirit or a ghost without a nervous system, we're supposed to be able to take on physical damage, even though we don't even have a physical body anymore. There's no logic or rationality to it. It's something that the church invented, and the church has had their dirty, grubby hands on a lot of some of the scripture, and they've changed words around. Like, for instance, if you look at the King James or the older Bibles, you're going to see that it clearly says you're eternally destroyed with no repair, that you will perish, which means that you'll be ruined and destroyed and you will never be able to come back into existence unless God reanimates you and gives you a glorified body. But these newer books, they push the concept that you're going to burn forever. I'm an annihilationist, I'm also a compatibilist, which means I believe in a form of free will as well as predestination, but it's still a confusing argument to unpackage. Maltheism, because there's no way I can get around the concept that God has a dual nature. And believe it or not, humans have the same thing. 
we behave and act just like the very designer that created us. We have a good side to us and we have a bad side to us. There's some things that we do that are really cruel and painful to others, but we're also capable of giving our mothers and fathers a hug and telling our kids that we love them before we send them off to school. But we also have the ability to go out in war and blow somebody's brains out without even knowing their name or where they came from. This is the kind of people that we are. This is the kind of creation and design that we are. We have the capacity of doing very dark and evil, terrible things, and we also have the ability to do good. We are made in the image of God. And God knew that all of this was what he designed and created. God falls into a very serious problem that I've talked about in the past because there are times where he goes to the extreme and just wipes out not only the guilty, but he also ends up taking out a lot of innocent people as well. Throughout the scriptures, you can see him destroying and absolutely annihilating babies and toddlers and infants. This was absolutely unnecessary. When you're a God who has the power to create a universe, you don't have to do all that. You do not have to hurt the babies and the children. And since God says that he has the ability to wipe out our sins, then that should mean that no matter what we do in our lives, he should still be able to wipe out any kind of evil. Even if we make the choice to do evil, he should be able to do what I'd refer to as a spiritual lobotomy. Why do you need to take a finite person and then make them suffer for all eternity like some Christians think is going to happen? That's not justice. It's not justice to take a 14-year-old who stole from the store and while running from the store trying to get away from the manager gets hit by a car and then spends the rest of eternity in hell because they didn't get forgiveness for stealing a Reese's Pieces. And according to the Bible, all sin is equal except for one thing. So there's that. Now, any Christians out there that try to say, Brett, you shouldn't say these type of things. You shouldn't even put this idea forth that God might have a nature of evil. The only reason why you warn me and you say scary things in comments or you come at me or approach me with, you shouldn't talk like that about God, you'll be punished for it means that you don't believe that God has enough love and understanding and wisdom in him to be able to comprehend where his human subject, Brett Keane, is coming from. And you're basically saying that my thoughts and my ideas about the very nature of God could get me suffering and God will hurt me. That's what you think, right? You think that if I say that I'm a maltheist and that God might actually have the capacity to do evil by just merely saying that, thinking that, or believing that God will hurt me. You believe that, don't you? You think that anybody that speaks out against God, they're in serious trouble. Any one of these non-believers out here who have doubts or they question, you believe that if they continue on that way, and they don't ever change to whatever theological view you do, that God is going to break them into pieces and harm them over and over. And you don't see the problem with that? You don't see why it is that some people might think, wow, this isn't love. 
This isn't charity. This isn't an act of good just simply because someone doesn't think like you or have the view of you or someone doesn't want to get on their knees and revere you or worship you. Love doesn't require all that. My wife doesn't require me to get on my knees and beg her for my life. She doesn't tell me that I have to be this way or that way or I'm going to be thrown into the oven along with her homemade cookies. <laughs> when one of her cats doesn't listen to her, none of those cats out there have to worry about getting chopped up into little pieces and stuff or war with a, another cat tribe or something. That's because my wife actually loves these creatures. She cares about them. The Bible says that God is the creator of all things. So this means, according to Isaiah 45, 7, I form the light and the darkness. I create peace and evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Some of you in your Bibles, it says calamity and not evil. But calamity is also part of the definition of evil. It means destruction, death, chaos, distress, these type of things. Now, I have, re I have over and over encouraged Christians that if you want to try to uh, debate me about this or try to teach me a different way of looking at it or a perspective, I'm all ears. There's no reason to unsub me or call me a damn demon or a devil for having these thoughts because I am absolutely convinced that all of you out there Whenever you've went to funerals of your mother or your father or your own children, you've probably wondered to yourself, why God? I'm sure that a lot of you have had really terrible experiences happen in your life where you ask yourself, why God? Why is this happening? And some of you would probably even encourage me, and as well as others who've suffered miserably, you'd say, go read the book of Job. But the book of Job is one of the most evil books I have ever read in my entire existence in life. Although I love God and I believe God is capable of doing good, the book of Job is just absolutely awful to me. It's not inspirational like what some Christians claim. And the reason why I think this is, is because a lot of you haven't actually read the story and thought about it. Let me tell you what the story tells you from my perspective. The devil comes forth. God and Satan are talking. Satan says, the only reason why that good man down there named Job worships you is because you protect him, you take care of him. So God, out of pride and vanity, decides that he wants to show the devil that this simply isn't true. Now keep in mind the whole time, God already knows that no matter what happens to Job, Job's going to continuously love God and worship him no matter what happens. He already knows the end result, but for whatever reason, he takes his protective heads off of Job and allows the devil to kill his loved ones, kill his animals, and absolutely burn his life into the ground. Now, the Christian's going to say, yeah, he had a horrible time and it was miserable and bad, but in the end, he got some goodies out of it. So? So what? If my wife and my children died and every one of my cats died, and then 10 years from that point of being lonely and living in darkness with boils and sores all over my body, another woman comes into my life and I end up loving her and having a relationship with her, I'm never going to forget about that wife that I had. 
or the, the children that I originally had. That doesn't replace. It's something new. It's good. But still, you have to ask yourself, why would God allow you to be abused for? Why would God allow you to be hurt when he already knows that you love him with all your heart and care? The Bible says that God allowed Satan to torture Job so badly and did so many horrible things that his own wife said, it'd be better if you were dead, Job, because that was the only way he was going to find peace. His friends believed that God was angry at him because apparently when Satan was destroying everything, Satan wasn't walking around with a name tag that said, I'm the devil. God gave me permission to kick your ass all over the place. So the whole time, everybody thinks it's God doing it. And then you know what God does in the end of the story? He comes down and Job questions, God, why did you let all this happen to me? Why, why this? Why that? You know, like any logical, normal person would want to know, why do I love you, but you abuse me and you forsake me and you mess me up like this? You wreck me. Why, God? And God's like, who are you to question? Who are you to question? Well, why not? You're supposed to love me and I love you. Why are you killing me for? Why are you tearing me apart? Why are you inflicting me with disease? Why are you beating the piss out of me for? I'm just a finite, vulnerable person who's done the best I can to hold on to the faith. And this is what you got for me? Yeah. I can show over 200 verses in the Bible that are unjust. They're unfair. They're terrible. And the God of the Bible is not the only figure in religion that's ever had this. There's gods like Loki. There's tricksters. There's gods who just one day have a bee in their bonnet and decide to blow everything up. Zeus and Hercules, they were pretty pissy. Hercules walked across the land. He tried to help people, but then he would get mad and beat the shit out of something or kill somebody. So it's not like God of the Bible is the only God that ever had these things. You could probably look in any religion and find any God or uh, figure that people believed in that also partook or partaken in evil or destructive practices, whether you believe it's real or not. There's no way that anybody with eyes can look around this world, watch the news, and see what happens every single day something unfair and unjust happens in this world something awful happens to a baby an infant a toddler someone who's never done anything wrong don't believe me do what i did a long time ago spend a long period of time in a children's hospital watch babies die from leukemia Watch children screaming and crying throughout the night because they've been disfigured or been in some horrible accident or because nature is cruel and cold. And keep in mind that at any moment, this all-powerful, all-loving God could fix all their ailments. Yes, I believe that God is capable of good. I believe God is capable of love. And whenever I'm having good days, of course, I give credit to God. But when I'm having bad days, I also realize that the Bible says that all things are in God's control 
that it's God's will that everything happens just the way it is and that God knows exactly what's happening. So when I'm sitting in a fucking hole or a ditch and my life is going to absolute shit, no matter what try to good choices I try to make or positive arrangements I try to make for myself and my family, there are those times where I have to intellectually and honestly say to myself, something is not right. God is not in a good mood today, folks. God must be angry about something, and I just happen to be in his fire range at the time. It kind of brings peace to you too, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know how to explain it, but when you realize that God has a dual nature as we all do, it makes a lot of things make sense. And it also answers the biggest question that a lot of non-believers and people have out there, the problem of evil. There's no problem if the answer is God is both good and evil. That answers everything. Why do bad things happen? Because God had a bad day. Why did something good happen? Because God just felt like doing something nice that day. When you start looking at it from that perspective, instead of trying to repeatedly say God is all love, then you don't fall into this problem where things start contradicting themselves and you start getting so upset and stressed out. But God, you said you loved me, you know, when you're having that Job moment. God, you said you loved me. Then why did I lose my entire family to COVID? Why did my, my child turn autistic after getting a vaccine? Why does my daughter get ran over by a car even though she looked both ways? These kind of questions are fully answered once you realize that God doesn't always care and God does not always love us. In fact, the Bible tells us that not only is God capable of love, but he's also can be capable of maliciousness, dupliciousness, as well as hatred. That's right. He can actually get angry, infuriated, jealous. It's just the way the, the cookie crumbles, folks. It's the way the ball bounces. So before you unsub me, I want you to keep in mind that I, Brett Keen, have an open mind and an open heart. I would love to believe, like every other Christian out there, that God is all about love and flowers and pretty rainbows and all that, but there's one little problem. I know how to read, and I've read the Bible, and I've also lived for 45 years on this planet, and I've been around the putrid creations that God created. I've been bitten by his animals before. I've been tore up by his animals. Um... I have been absolutely abused by his human creation. And yeah, when I die, if I get a chance, if Jesus resurrects me in the end and brings me to judgment day, I fully plan on asking God, what is the deal? What is this? Am I a clown in your circus? Am I a pawn in your game? What's going on? I just want an explanation is all. But I think that the Bible pretty much explains a great deal of this, doesn't it? It makes it quite clear. God was having a bad day. Well, tell me what you think, folks. I wish I had an angel for one moment.
and gentlemen my name is brett keen from god tv radio i hope you're all having a blessed day out there i want to start this video off by stating that the end of the conflict having to do with zaire is over if people watch the show right before this video you're going to see that as promised i had made it clear that if zaire was found i would get some popular atheists together some popular religious people and people would be able to confirm that he is alive, that he's not buried on Dowell property or any of these things. If any of you out there actually watch my show as well as my videos, you're going to know that I've never been a detractor or hater of Kent Hovind. In fact, I have made it clear that I respect him. I love him as well as his family, and I have tried to bend over backwards to try to do everything I could to get a lot of the pressure and stress off of him. Now, I am going to summarize everything that's been going on for those who may never take the time to watch the other videos so they can understand why this happened what the conclusion is and all this i'm going to make sure i try to go into great detail to clear it up and why there was this unfortunate misunderstanding and fear that arose in social media over all of this and i will also tell you where kent hovind as well as mark stoney and many others stand and i'm going to also respond to comments along the way 
There's some very unusual comments that don't make any sense to me whatsoever. I had seen a comment where someone said, Brett Keane did this to Kent Hovind and all these people for monetization. Well, folks, I'm not monetized. I don't have super chat. You'll notice I don't have any ads or commercials on my show whatsoever. It is true that if you go into the the description of all my videos, there is the ability to support me via PayPal, but I never make that an obligation. And how could I even if I wanted to? It's people's choice if they want to click on the link and they want to support me through PayPal or buy me something on an Amazon wish list. There has been some people out there who have been supportive for sure. Less than a handful, but there has been some people who have done some nice things for me financially, such as Tom Walden, Tony Sayers, which Tony Sayers was months and months and months ago. Mr. Walden was in the last couple months. And also Sandra sent me something very nice of recent, which I absolutely appreciate. I didn't ask her for anything, but Sandra keeps on telling me over and over that she just loves my heart and thinks I'm one of the most beautiful people on the planet. Apparently, she hasn't had the opportunity to watch a video where you actually get to see what I look like and not just a still image. Then she might actually think she's at a Halloween party. I'm just joking. My wife thinks I'm a beautiful person, too. It is what it is. The point is, is that there's no money based upon views or clicks on my channel. Anybody that supports, they do it out of the goodness of their heart, and it's always appreciated. If you read the comment that I pinned right at the top, I said, Kent Hovind, end of conflict, missing child found. Mark Stoney, Adam Lore, Brett Keen, good news folks, Adam Lore, and Mark Stoney found the missing boy from Dell. In fact, he came on this show and talked to us all. And I promised that, didn't I, folks? I promised that we would provide some kind of confirmation that the boy is okay. As far as the conflict with Kentoven, that chapter is ended. Now that many know that the young man is safe, no doubt Kent has people out there who will still be critical of him. But this major issue is behind us, God bless. And I personally believe that this issue with Zaire was the biggest thing of all. It was the highest priority of all. Um, I've heard detractors, I've heard haters, and a lot of their stuff is mostly they don't like the way he does science, they don't like the fact that he goes against evolution. I don't give a rat's ass about any of that nonsense. I don't care if people like the way another person debates or their skill set or how they go about doing that kind of stuff. I've also heard people say they don't like the way Kent Hovind runs his ministry. Again, I don't give a rat's ass. Kent Hovind is the leader of his ministry. His ministry is all about him. It wouldn't exist without him. To me, it's not only a ministry, but it's a business, and a boss gets to run things the way he wants to. If there's anyone out there, you decide you want to do your own ministry, like my friend Sal, if he makes a ministry and he tells people to get the hell out or he doesn't want to look at their face anymore, that's his business. That has nothing to do with Brett Keene. If I'm running a job over here or a business and I don't like the way someone's doing things or I keep on having disagreements with them and they won't stop, then fuck out of my uh, business is what I say. 
That brings me to the next thing, ladies and gentlemen. There's people out there who are saying, Brett, why is there so much cussing on your show? Isn't it a Christian program? I've only been a Christian for a couple of years. There was a couple of years that I just labeled myself a theist where I believed in the possibility of God or I believed that there was a higher power. I'm still a work in progress and I do something that is very unique that a lot of Christians as well as atheists do not do on YouTube. You'll probably notice whenever I'm doing my shows, almost every single time I'm doing it, unless I'm having a segment where people are debating each other or something, or it's a one-on-one -on -one deal, I always put a public link out, which makes it to where everybody and anybody, no matter what they think and believe, can come in. I can't be constantly babysitting people's behavior whenever they come in. I'm not going to have people from all over the world and tell them how they ought to act and how they behave. I do make it very clear that my room is supposed to be about theology and philosophy, but I'm not going to sit around all day, babysit, change diapers, and tell people how to behave and act. In fact, sometimes I prefer for people to just be right out front on what they're about and do what they do. I feel like it really helps people understand the difference between that of a religious person, non-believers, and people of other faiths. If you see people act like an orangutan or they're being positive, whatever the case might be, if that makes sense. I, uh, I'm a kind of a modern person, ladies and gentlemen. So to me, I'm not as stiff or old school as other people are whenever it comes to cussing and things like that. Although I have committed myself to trying harder, at least whenever it comes to me personally, to slow it down and try to show more traits and attributes of God. More than enough Christians are welcome to come in and be able to show everybody how a true Christian is supposed to act, though. It is a public link. So there's a lot of people out here that some of the comments that really bother me is there's some who are saying um, that the people who found Zaire are not happy because they wanted to hold this over Kent's head. Well, that's not true at all. For those out there who are saying that Mark Stoney, Adam Lohr, Aiden, and some of the other people who assisted me in trying to find this boy... They, you have to understand that Mark Stoney for years has, has been searching before I even came along. My show offered the ability for people to get their heads together, work things out, and, and uh, put together a game plan on how to be able to find the boy. That's what I did in the process and also doing my own research and all that and uh, trying to offer suggestions and advice on how people could go about finding the boy. But Mark Stoney's been doing this for a couple years now. Adam Lohr, he just started getting into it in the last couple months. And Adam Lohr doesn't have any hatred towards Kent. There's no, like, animosity. In fact, one of the highest viewed videos on my channel was a open discussion between... Mr. Adam Lohr and Kent Hovind. People really, really enjoyed that. Adam Lohr is a very popular and respected atheist in the atheist community. And uh, he had nothing against Kent Hovind, even though Kent Hovind does believe that a lot of the people involved in this are 
uh, out to get him. And I understand where Kent's coming from because there's so many people out there who are throwing mud all the time. It's hard to be able to tell who's trying to do valid points, who's genuine, and who's just out there to stir the shit. So I understand the confusion. I've, in the last few years of dealing with people who come after me on many different things, sometimes I get confused and I get mixed up. I'm wondering, is this person my friend trying to help me or is this a person trying to burn me at the stake? Sometimes I get it all twisted up. And I've had to do public apologies to people because sometimes I didn't know who was genuine, who was not. So I understand the confusion on Kent's part whenever it comes to that. One of the other problems I found myself in, ladies and gentlemen, is that Cindy Lincoln, as well as Mark Stoney and some of the others, they don't enjoy listening to... Uh, Kent Hovind, and Kent Hovind does not enjoy listening to them back. Kent uh, almost has this allergy. If he listens to Mark or Cindy, it makes him ill, and he does not want to listen to them for longer than 30 seconds. So if he knows that they're on my show, he'll simply ask me what was said, because <laughs> he wants me to give him a rundown <laughs> instead of having to listen to them. And the same happens with Mark and Cindy. They're like, well, what did Kent say about that? And what did Kent say about this? I've had to be a mediator between everybody. <laughs> it's horrible. It's terrible. I wish that they could all just get along and have a discussion with each other. So I'm going to keep on going through the comments. One of the things that I think that Kent um, doesn't quite understand whenever it comes to people being bothered, like let's look at this person here called Xanus. What about the fact Kent Hovind still let a known registered sex offender bring a child to Dow? Let them stay in the same house and in the same bed. That's the crime right there. Kent Hovind still needs to be investigated as well as Chris Jones. Don't get me wrong, I'm glad the kid is safe. But what really happened? Well, that is a valid question, and it's one of the reasons why Mark Stoney has been investigating for so long. He believed that some hanky-panky happened. He believed that a crime happened. He believed that something bad happened to the boy. There's some people out there in the comments where you're saying the boy was never actually missing. Actually... There was a time where a missing thing got put out about Zaire, folks. I don't know if you realize that. But it didn't have nothing to do with the Chris Jones thing, but there was no way for Mark Stoney to know that. You see, a while back, according to the story of Zaire, for those who don't know this, Zaire ran away from home. I don't know why he ran away from home, but he did. And whenever he ran away, his mother or his family ended up putting out a missing persons. So Mark Stoney, during his investigation, ended up finding out that Zaire was missing. That there was actually a police report done about a, a missing child. At least that's how I interpret it. If I'm getting all this wrong, then Mark can correct me on this. So this immediately added a bunch of paranoia to Mark and anybody involved because you got a missing report and you also got the fact that no one got to see where the kid went after 
uh, his visit to Dinosaur Adventureland. So do you understand, folks, why it is that people were saying the missing boy, the missing boy? Because there was some information put out there, but it wasn't about Chris Jones. You see, when you fill out a missing persons report, usually the people who are filling out the missing report have no idea where the kid went, and they don't know who might have been involved or if the kid was even kidnapped in the first place. All they know is that there's a missing report and no one has seen the boy. But because of the experience that Mark Stoney had with a child molester coming on the property, this concerned him and he put a correlation together, which is perfectly logical. It's justifiable that Mark thought that there was some hanky-panky going on with that. Chris Jones is referred to as a third-tier sex offender. There's public reports out there, folks, and allegations. Now, I've told Mark this, and Mark isn't believing this uh, story, but Kent seemed to me to only know about the strip poker deal that we've talked about in video. He didn't seem to realize that Chris Jones had a bunch of other reports done on him and been charged for many different things. Sandra did not know that either. Neither did Chris Baker. Everybody up there on Dowell, who is literally up there right now inhabiting the place, they don't seem to know that there was all these other charges. You'll see Chris Baker reading off the allegations and not even realizing that all this was a thing. So, as you can see, folks, uh, Kent hasn't been completely informed of what is happening. Now, Mark Stoney, on the other hand, would tell you something different. He'll tell you that he believes that Kent knew all about this stuff, but still allowed it to happen anyway. I can't be sure, because Kent tells me all he knows about is a strip poker incident. And he really believed that uh, Chris was framed. There's another thing that some of you need to realize, too, whenever it comes to Kent. Kent is a minister of God. So because of his biblical training and because of his belief in God, he's absolutely convinced that everyone out there should have a chance, that everyone needs to be redeemed, and that he's going to at least give it one or two shots to try to help someone find God before he just completely cuts them off. And gives up on him. Kent is one of these type of believe, uh, people who are very stubborn. And if he's convinced in his head that you have lied in you. And that he can get you saved. He's going to give it everything he's got. It takes a long time for Kent to get to a point where he can just totally say no more. No more. Kent does seem like he is vulnerable whenever it comes to. Whenever he's trying to do what he wants to do, he doesn't like it whenever people are constantly in his face telling him how he ought to do things. He's a person who's learned how to be a leader all of his life, and he doesn't like people constantly telling him, oh, you should do this, you should do that. He has the belief that once he puts his foot down and says, this is the way it's going to be, then that's the way it's going to be. And I understand that. I understand that, you know... Kent got to where he is in life based upon his choices and decisions. Some of them not so good, but others obviously have helped him flourish 
and be the man who he is today and helped him get a lot of the great things that he's achieved and accomplished, period. It is what it is. Mmm, hazelnut coffee. But most importantly, folks, I want to let you know, and I want to repeat this, Mark Stoney's big thing was he's always been worried about where that boy was. And if you listen to the recording whenever he talks to Zaire for the first time and all this time of not knowing where he's at, Mark Stoney broke down crying. He had tears. This just took so much weight and darkness off of him. Mark Stoney is a man who's been in the military. He's a man who um, believes in a code of honor. He believes that he fought for his country. He's a man who has a child and has tried to do the best he can to be the best father he can. He's a young man, so he's still trying to figure himself out as well as what he's going to do for his girl. He, being that he's a father, he's been very concerned about other people's children and what may have happened to them. And I hope that Kent can understand that. I hope that people can understand that although Mark Stoney says some cold-ass things about Kent, Mark is a good man. And he's just trying to figure out where he goes with his theology, his philosophy, and how he feels about some of the personal, what he believes to be injustices. Let's go ahead and answer some more uh, questions here. And I do want to let you all know that after I do this, I'm not going to respond to the comments having to do with this issue anymore. To me, this is over. This is the end. I'm just giving you my last summary on all this, and then I'm going to move forward. And I'm going to continue with all of my effort and attempt to be friends with Mark, Cindy, Kent, and all the people on all sides. I never wanted to have to pick a side and, you know, condemn one person over the other. I've only wanted to love all these people and get along with them. And unless they do something really horrible to me or they try dragging me through the mud, I won't give up on them. None of them. Period. All right. Let's go down here. Okay, so Rob here. Rob has been a serious problem because one minute he sounds like he's logical and then the next minute, he says really stupid things. He's been on my show a few times. He says, what started off as genuine concern for the boy and genuine concerns over Chris Jones, who was only visiting Dal and not involved directly with the ministry, sharing a bed with a boy soon turned into a conspiracy of multiple murders and dead bodies buried at Dal. Multiple missing children, dead bodies in shipping containers, a, a pedophilia ring in the camp. See circulating photos of a missing boy, which didn't even look like Zaire to try and justify the boy was missing. Well, first of all, Rob, there has been some stuff that has been found on Dow. That's actually being investigated at the moment. I don't know if you realize that. And I've actually got confirmation from both sides that that is a thing that people are looking into. Apparently, there was a body found, and that was originally believed to be Zaire. So, Rob, again, you didn't do any investigation yourself. And as far as the pedophile ring goes, 
Well, sad to say, there has been some people who've worked up at Dahl who have uh, been in trouble for child molestation. There's Chris Jones who visited, but there's also Brady and there's also some other people in the past who apparently assaulted children. That's the reason why some people believe that there's a pedophile ring going. I don't. I think that it's just a matter of Kent being a part of a ministry and sadly, sex offenders and bad, broken people, drug addicts and junkies and coke addicts and everything else tend to gravitate towards Christianity because Christianity teaches forgiveness and redemption and that you can be a better person. So a lot of people gravitate towards that. And I think that's one of the reasons why Kent, unfortunately, over the years has been being taken advantage of and manipulated. A classic case of guilty until proven innocent and the imaginations of people can ran riot. Yeah, there were some people who were illogical and irrational. There were some people who were ignorant about it, but some people had valid questions. Had it not been for Mark constantly questioning, as well as Adam Lohr and myself, we would have never had this day where we're having this boy up here and proving that he's alive. This would have never happened, folks, if it wasn't for us. So get that straight. The rumors would have just got worse. Social media would have became hell for Kent. In fact, um, Kent believes that Mark should thank him for you know, for some reason he thinks that Mark should apologize to him for even making references that the boy came up missing. But as I told Kent on the phone, Mark had every valid reason in the world, as did a lot of these people, for being concerned and worried about this. So Kent's hoping that he'll get a, you know, an apology for that. I'm not sure if that's ever going to happen. And Mark Stoney actually believes, as well as Adam Lore. Adam told me himself uh, earlier today before I went to sleep, I fell asleep. He said, I don't understand why Kent's bothered for aggravated. We found the boy, we proved the kid's alive, and now Kent doesn't have to worry about murder charges or anything. What's the problem? Adam literally doesn't get it. He thinks that Kent should be jumping for joy and happy that the boy's found. Sandra has shown nothing but enthusiasm and happiness over this. Kent, unfortunately, has a lot of other things on his plate, and he perceives it in a different way. Of course, he's happy to hear that the boy's okay, but he seems irritated about some other issues as well. And I get it. I understand. Well, there it's pretty much all about paranoia, conflict, all that kind of stuff. Also, Rob points out, yeah, Brett says it's the end of conflict, but it's not over. It's There's always going to be some kind of problem. Well, Rob, we've talked so many times. I don't have anything against Kent Hovind. Neither does Adam Lohr. Mark might have some personal issues. That's between him and Kent. But that's not the, just because there's other people that have an issue, you can't generalize and throw us all in the same bucket there, fella. Okay. Uh, so let's continue to go down the line. Sandra is really happy. She wrote some comments here. She's very, very happy to 
And she would like to have Zaire actually come down to dinosaur land and all that. And she says she'll even pay for it. She would love to see him. She's been very, very concerned about Zaire herself. Which could tell you all that's how little she as well as Kent knew about what was going on. Because why would she be so concerned if she knew all kinds of information that people claim these folks have, they don't. This, to her, has been just as new. What we learn is the same thing that she learns all in real time. She had no idea what to think about all this. She's only been there for about a, a little over a year, I think, so all this is new to her. And Chris Baker, uh, if you really, really want to be honest, So I'd appreciate it if people quit dumping on Sandra as well as uh, Chris Baker. They're two wonderful people, and they don't deserve to be disrespected like that. Now, Kent wrote something here, and I may eventually pin this to the top after people see my comment stating that it's over. He said, did any of these adults get his mom's permission to contact him via Facebook friends or have him interviewed, interrogated on this program? See, that's really odd how Kent responded to that. And like I said, I love me some Kent Hovind, but this response doesn't make sense. Yeah, Mark Stoney, that was one of the first people he talked to, was the mother. He didn't just try to drag the boy up. He's been having many conversations and all that. But there is something to be worried about here, Kent, and that's that Zaire, unfortunately says that some inappropriate things happened, and that is the reason why Zaire and Chris Jones are no longer close anymore. It's the reason why the mother basically cut Chris Jones off. So, Kent, as you can see, it's over with me, and it's over with people worrying about the boy being dead, but there's still the problem that Zaire believes something inappropriate happened to him. Um... And before everybody gets all worked up and excited over this comment I just made, you need to understand that I, I know some people might say something to the effect of Mark poisoned the well, that he somehow hypnotized Zaire and to do something about it. No, no. Um, Mark t spoke to the family, and this is an actual concern. So even though the boy is alive and nobody's going to jail for murder, there's a very good possibility that Chris Jones could find himself in court. And hopefully, um, I pray to God that Kent doesn't get in any kind of serious trouble for allowing this guy to come down to the property. I really, really hope that Kent's ministry and Kent himself does not suffer because of this, but who's to know? I don't work in the legal department, so I don't know. He wrote, I doubt it. Does anyone see a problem with that? Do any of you have any concerns about using profanity on this program with him on the show? Well, there is two things to think about here. Again, my show is open to the public. To, I didn't even know Zaire was going to actually come right on the show. Mark said that he was going to be coming in. I have atheists, I have people of other faith and Christians who come in the room. As uh, far as Cindy Lincoln goes, I don't recall her using profanity. And Mark Stoney did not use profanity. 
Um, I probably said some a couple words here and there because I've got a loose mouth and loose lips sometimes uh, whenever it comes to my language, which I've already stated I need to correct and work on. But um, there wasn't anything really negative that happened on the show for anybody that actually watches. And also there is one other thing, Kent. The boy ain't 13 years old anymore. Um, this was a few years ago when this all this happened. And now he's like, uh, I think he's like 16, 17 years old at this point. I think. I'm not the one who's doing all the talking this year. It's Mark, and I think Adam had an interaction besides the show. My my purpose was just to simply prove to the world that the kid was okay. That way people um, get rid of their concerns, and also people don't keep on taking you through the woodshed over that, Kent. You then wrote, I doubt that too. Did any of you ask the mom's permission to ask this, him personal questions about his family? Uh, I don't understand where the hypocrisy is. We get people on my show all the time where we talk about um, family and uh, friends and we talk about things that we like to do personally in our real lives and all that. Uh, my shows are very intimate. People are able to talk about pretty much anything they want. And um, Zaire was told that if he is uncomfortable or he uh, doesn't want to answer any questions, then that is fine. To be honest with you folks, we were all speechless. If you watch the show, you can see that we're all very energetic and we're excited and we're happy. And we mostly just compliment the young man over and over. We, um, we didn't really know what to say. We were all shocked. You know, after all this time being able to find out that the boy was okay, I don't think anybody asked any questions that were like rude or um, causing discourse, but there's that. Aiden says to all the people in the comments stating that people like Adam and Mark were hoping Zaire was indeed dead at Dow, do you not have any one ounce of self awareness? Do you not realize that by saying that you've leaped headlong into the exact absurdities you've accused these amazing men of concocting? Of course you don't. You'd rather take the palpable joy of these people apart and finding out Zira's alive and well and twist and mold it into exact opposite. You should be ashamed of yourselves for foisting that kind of narrative upon such a good and caring people. Yeah. What Aiden said... Don't you understand, Kent, as well as anybody listening, that if we had not found the boy and confirmed that he's alive, that the internet would have blew up, they would have continued to push this story, this narrative, there would have been more Christians who would have been walking away from the ministry, there would have been atheists firing away every single day about this. Don't you realize, I want you all to think about something, if you don't mind using a little bit of logic here. If Adam Lore and Mark Stoney wanted to hurt Kent Hoven or Cindy Lincoln, don't you think that they would have just simply kept the boy secret and just let the trauma continue over and over to make you all believe that the kid is gone, dead, the worst case scenario? But no, the very day 
the very first two days that Mark found out that boy was alive in Adam, they were ready to go live and prove to the world that Kent wasn't responsible for the murder of a child. Now think about that for a minute. If they truly wanted to hurt Kent Hovind, wouldn't it made more sense for them to just find out the kid's alive and then ignore everything, don't even say anything, don't even confirm the boy's alive? If any of us were out to get Kent, don't you think that that would make more sense as opposed to prove the kid's alive in front of a public audience? Some of your comments out there, folks, are absolutely retarded. It's stupid. It's ignorant. As far as I'm concerned, Kent Hovind should be dancing for joy that he knows the boy's okay. There is one last thing I want to point out that I feel is very important. And I'm not trying to say anybody's lying. I'm not trying to say anybody's full of it. Doesn't matter either way at the end of the day for me, but I'm going to put this out there. The family of Zaire has made it clear that Chris Jones never reached out to the family. No one ever reached out to the family to ask them if they would get on video and prove they were alive. Now, why is this a serious problem? Because Mr. Kentoven, sad to say, I'm being straight up honest with you all. On live video on my show has said that he spoke directly to the mom and the boy. He said that he spoke to them and that they were all okay. But the mother, as well as Zaire, said that no one on Kent's side actually got a hold of them. No one did. The first time he ever heard that anybody was looking for him was whenever Mark Stoney contacted them. It was the first time they even knew this was an issue or a problem. Now, think about this. If Kent, as well as Chris, had actually been reaching out to them, then what's the deal? And unfortunately, it goes one step further, folks. Kent actually stated that that boy didn't want to show up on camera because of high school. He didn't want to look bad in front of the kids and get a bad reputation or get a bunch of drama towards his family. That's not true. I don't even know if Zaire's even going to high school at this point, folks. And I already asked him inside of the show, did anybody get in touch with you? Nobody did. But that's besides the point. Take it or leave it, whatever you want. I still like Kent. I still love his family. I still love all of you out there. But it's a fact that nobody, nobody but Mark Stoney and Adam Lohr actually reached out. No one else did, even though so many people claim they did. Do you think Zaire would lie? And another question, folks, before I end it. If nothing happened to Zaire, then why is so many people concerned that he's going to press charges and that this may also fall on Kent? To me, this is the final video. 
Some of you out there may want to know, Brett, when are you doing your next show? I don't know. I need to sleep. I have had a hard time. I've had a lot of nightmares. This has really, really made me sick. It's bothered me. It's made me ill. It's been very painful listening to all these people beating the hell out of each other verbally and so intensely. I need some time away. That might be a couple days, and I may wake up one morning and feel like I'm ready to take on the world again. But I'm looking at a couple weeks here or more. It may turn out to be longer. I don't know. My muscles are hurting. My body, it, it just feels like I got hit by a Mack truck because of all this. I'm extremely pleased that the boy is okay. But this really got me wound up. It got my heart hurting. I'm going to tell you all something, and I probably should not say this. But a couple hours before I got the call from Adam and him telling me what him and Mark had found out, I was almost ready to say the hell with everything. And when I say everything, I was having some real, real battles with my faith in God. I've been having really bad dreams that when you think about children being abused or children maybe being dead and nobody's looking for them and nobody's ever going to find them, it brings really, really dark thoughts into your head. It makes you sick. And it's so fascinating, the irony, that within a couple hours of me just feeling like giving it all up. An atheist contacts me and says, Brett, I got good news. What's that, Adam? Zaire's alive. What a miracle. What a miracle. I was in such a bad place. I need to sleep. 